And so the title of my message today is Becoming Kingdom Minded. I think this is a two-part series, but at least we're going to get through at least one of them today. And so for that next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the kingdom. Because the kingdom is such a buzzword in Christendom. Unity, revival, outpouring, kingdom. And we just throw these words out and we really don't understand the implications of what these words mean. I mean, there's ministries that I know and like, you know, I'll watch their videos pop up on it and I know them very well. They'll pop up on Facebook. Hey guys, we're out doing this. We're advancing the kingdom. We're kingdom minded. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, you're not as kingdom as you think you are. I know you personally. (laughs) And I'm not saying I'm perfect. Ask my wife. She will, she will definitely like say, amen. Ask my kids. They'll all be like, we all agree. We come into agreement with my wife, with mom. I have my days. I, I wake up and, you know, I haven't put on the full armor yet. I haven't prayed yet. And I, I like my sleep. And, you know, when Shiloh decides to wake up at 2 in the morning, it, it, really, it really helps you to see where you are with Jesus. And so becoming kingdom-minded, the Lord's like, I, we need to establish what the kingdom culture here in I am is. Because being kingdom-minded, being a kingdom person is totally different than being church folk. I know a lot of church folk. I don't know that many kingdom folk. I know I, they're out there. They're just like hidden. You got like really got to find I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. He was a youth pastor, senior pastor at big churches here in town. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum. I've seen the backgrounds and, and I've seen, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, pastors going to go do conferences. And then these are pastors of big churches and you have their groupies that follow them. And it's like, are you a pastor? Are you a man of God? Are you a rock star? Sorry, I, I don't, okay, I'm, my skinny jeans and my pointy shoes, I only, okay, if I can get away with it, I would literally be in some cut jeans, I would actually technically be in shorts and like just a graphic tee, so if you ever see me dress nice, it's not for any reason except to show off for my wife, that's really about it, I hate to dress up, I, yeah, anyways, <laughs> Becoming kingdom-minded, what does that look like? It is a buzzword that we use in Christendom so much that it's lost its effectiveness, it has lost its power. But becoming kingdom-minded, I believe there's a few things that happen when you're kingdom-minded. It causes you to look different. It causes you to think different. It causes you to speak different. Kingdom-minded people care more about a person's relationship to Jesus than their denominational loyalties. I'm going to step on some toes today. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. The Lord said, hey, we got to lay a foundation because enable, because I'm watching service today and I'm like, we must be kingdom people in order to continue worship and to go even longer. Because if you're not kingdom people, once you start hitting 45 minutes, you're like, whoa, Roger, I hope his strings break because I'm tired of this. Let's just be real. (laughs) Roger's like, I got backup, so don't worry. I mean, I look at other countries. 
I, I preached in Mexico, South Africa, Lesotho, Jamaica. When it comes to America, all right, pastor, we'll give you we'll give you an hour and a half, two hours at the max. Africa, they walk hours to get where you're go where you're preaching at. And if you're late, they still are there and they're like, we want the whole don't give me the abridged version. We want the whole kitten caboodle. Start I don't care if you're preaching for four or five hours. And then they walk back into the brush and they go to where they need to go. But here it's like, oh man, it's it's the final four. Hey, uh, the Cowboys are playing. Hey, faster. Wrap it up. The Cowgirls play at three. Kingdom people care more about people's relationship to Jesus than their denominational loyalties. Kingdom people care more about a person growing to be like Christ than the membership of their church. I didn't care how many people were here today. What I was getting a big kick out and watching was watching you guys tap into the heavenly realms. My goal in life, what gets me going is to build up world shakers and history makers. And so when I know what I can do and I love Jesus and I can tap in the river, I can go here or there. I have very, I have numerous resources to get stuff done. But when I get to see you guys tap into something, use your gift sets. I'm like, heck yeah, this is what it's about. Kingdom people care more about disciple making than who gets credit for doing it and who gets to count them. Last, I believe it was yeah, last June, <clears throat> Apostle Pete Garza came down and, and did a little pop-up, a um, uh, little outdoor event, outreach. And I loved it because... We had different ministries. People were getting saved. No one could care less who was the man getting all the credit. All we cared about is that Jesus got the credit. Amen. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, guys. Let me shut Roger down because I got to preach. Everybody has to see me preach. Because when I preach, people get saved and stuff happens. It doesn't really matter. We need kingdom people like, Roger, you go on for the rest of the day. I'm going to kick back and take a nap. Oh, no. Grace is up there praying for people. She's going to get credit for praying and, and people are getting healed and then they won't look at me. When you're a kingdom person, your identity is in Christ. And it doesn't matter who gets the glory as long as Jesus gets the glory. Kingdom-minded people care more about the gospel being shared than the methodology of sharing it. Or whether a person walks it down the aisle of a church or sits at a coffee shop to explain the gospel. Amen. Oh, no, you can only share the gospel in church. Really? <laughs> I've done it in coffee shops. I've, I've done it in cars. I've done it in, in, at my house. I've done it in Cassiano during a drive-by. Shh, everybody be quiet. <laughs> the shots came that way. Okay. Anyways, so Jesus loves you. This is why you need to know Jesus, because there's bullets flying around. <laughs> this is life, people. <laughs> this is my life. Kingdom-minded people care more about people's growth than the church policies and procedures. Kingdom-minded people, they care more about obedience to Christ than the approvals of others. Ooh. 
watch out now. We are coming into an age of where everyone is wanting to be people pleasers. Are you willing to stand alone? There is this demonic LGBTQ plus XYZ religion and everybody's trying to pamper and, 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 and candor to this thing. Are you willing to stand alone and say, I stand for righteousness, love the people, but hate the sin? Well, they're great worship leaders. You know what? I'd rather sing with my untrained ear, cracked voice who love Jesus, then compromise what the Bible says so that we can have a great worship. You can rebuke me later, Glenn, just if I get a little too hostile today. <laughs> Kingdom-minded people care more about God's glory than man's recognition. I don't mind people calling me Josh. If you call me pastor, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. But I like being called Josh because I tell people, because my friends call me Josh. And one way I look at it is it also keeps me humble. Smith Wigglesworth says, you never let people call you titles and stuff, least you be puffed up. Just call me Josh. I know my titles. I know what I carry. You know, Jeremy Nelson says it like this. Let your anointing speak for you. Oh, Josh is Pastor Josh so-and-so. So I'm giving everybody permission. You can call me Josh. It's okay. If you call me Pastor, it's okay too. I won't get mad. I'm not going to rebuke you. But what I'm saying is that kingdom-minded people care about God's glory than man's recognition. Kingdom-minded people care more about whether a person... Oh, okay. okay. Lord, help me not to offend people. Ah, that's okay. Kingdom-minded people care about whether a person, do not care whether a person can worship then the, with the style of music they choose to do so in. I was talking to a young man the other day. He's like, man, I, I listen to, I was listening to uh, classical music with no words. He's like, I can't just listen to, I mean, today's music is just, you know, oh, just this and this and this. He's like, I just listen to classical music. He's like, I listen to, uh, you know, uh, IHOP, but I listen to classical and I just get so lost in Jesus. Kingdom-minded people care more about whether a person can worship than the style of music they choose to do so. Are you worshiping? Who cares if it's rap? I listen to some great Christian rap. There's one, there's this dude, KB, one of, his, one of his titles says, We Raise the Dead, It's Just Another Day in the Office. I'm like, whoa, yeah, that's my kind of jam. It may be Tejano, Christian Tejano that you're listening to. And you're just getting so blasted with Jesus. We have to be a people who are kingdom-minded people. Look, as long as you're worshiping, I don't care if it's rap. I don't care if it's rock. I mean, as long as it, you know, I do care if it. Me personally, I care if it has a good message. I mean, don't listen to, you know, Grateful Dead and expect to have an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but there's great Christian music out there. And for so long, people have looked. I remember being, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 40 this year. But I remember when, <laughs> I remember when people started, you know, we started fighting over, you know, back in the 90s. You know, we started, Hillsong started coming out. Ooh, if it's, if it's not vineyard, you not sanctified. Oh, what? 
You're listening to that Hillsong stuff? Oh, what? You listen to that old vineyard stuff? And, and there's such a, you know, nowadays it's, we, we fight about all these genres and the Lord's like, I don't really care as long as you're worshiping me in spirit and in truth. That was just the intro. There are two main kingdoms on earth. There's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of, de of the devil. In Colossians 1.13, the New Living Translation says it this way. For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of the devil. And it has to do with sinful pleasures of this world. Temporal and cardinal things. But the kingdom of God has to do with the domain and the dominion of God. Salvation and eternity with God, the virtues such as holiness, righteousness, peace, joy, etc. and etc. The New King James says it like this For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Of course, there's a third kingdom, which is the kingdom of man. For those who like notes and like back little whatever, Genesis 29, Genesis chapter 20, verse 9 talks about it. Genesis 20, verse 15, 2 Samuel 3, 28, Daniel 4, 18 and 4, 36, Daniel 6, 26 and Mark 6, 23. It all talks about the kingdom of man. And the kingdom of man can, un can be under the control of one of the two opposite kingdoms. You're either part of the kingdom of God or you're part of the kingdom of the devil the kingdom minded I'm talking about refers to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven both are used interchangeably in the Bible for God's rule over earth and now and into the future kingdom mindedness means being heavenly minded or being eternally focused Hey, Caleb, can you give me like a, a like a XL, XL cable, one that's not hooked up or anything? Kingdom minded means being heavily minded or being eternally focused. It refers to making the kingdom of God the center of your living, giving top priority to the affairs of the kingdom of God, moving towards the advancement of the kingdom of God. Being kingdom-minded goes beyond being engrossed in church activities. Did you know you can be so engrossed in church activities that you totally miss what Jesus was talking about? I'm not saying those things are bad in and of itself, but we can get so busy running from church function to church function, from this, from that. The world does it. I, I know people who are like, hey, what do you got today? Oh, man, I got to take my kids to soccer. I got to take my kids to this. And then I got to take my kids. To... And I'm not saying that's bad. Okay, hear my heart. I'm not saying that's wrong at all. But sometimes we allow the things of the world or we allow uh, um, activities to rule our life. One can be church. One can be church centric without being kingdom minded. Church membership should not be the end. But it's a means to the end. Hey, I'm a member of I am. Woo. 
I guess I'm done. I made it. Made it to the mountaintop. You know, you're sitting in the, in the pew and you're, you get your little, fill out your little membership card and you start singing, moving on up to the east side. And if we think we made it, but it's not the end, but it's the beginning. It is so, the kingdom is so significant that John the Baptist, he didn't preach the church. He didn't preach, hey guys, come to my church at 1030. It's going to be great. John the Baptist preached the kingdom of God. Matthew 3, 3 says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judah and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Also, when Jesus started his ministry, he continued what John the Baptist preached. He preached the kingdom of God. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In his teaching, Jesus taught different parables of the kingdom. Because the Bible says after his his resurrection, he was seen by his disciples for 40 days during which he spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The kingdom is everlasting. It is expanding. It is continuing to grow. It is continuing to go. When Jesus comes back, guess what? The kingdom will continue. Your car will be done with. Thank God your mortgage will be done with. That's why I'm like, Lord, if you come back like tomorrow, you know, I don't have to worry about my mortgage anymore. Hallelujah. (laughs) There's things on this earth that will end, but the kingdom will continue to be established and to advance. Not only did Jesus preach the kingdom of God, he commanded his disciples to do the same. Matthew 10, 5 and 7, it says, These twelve Jesus sent out commanding, saying, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' disciples in the early church preached the kingdom. For instance, Paul to the Ephesian elder said, And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Acts 20, 25. Some of Paul's teachings on the kingdom of God or reference to it are recorded in Acts 28, 23. Acts 28, 31. Romans, he talks about it. First Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, first, uh, second Thessalonians. The kingdom, people, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, not the church. And what I mean by the church, I'm not talking about the ecclesia. I'm talking about the building. That we think, oh man, we got it. No, it's the kingdom of God. You see, beloved, it is crystal clear that God wants us to be kingdom-minded, not self-minded or merely church-minded. Your church, your denomination is not more important than the kingdom of God. I love, I am, I love my ministry, I love my church, but it is not as important as the kingdom of God. We should give priority, priority attention attention to the advancement and the enlargement of the kingdom on earth, even if your denomination doesn't benefit directly from your efforts. Unfortunately, some people are only interested in their denomination or their church or their ministries that they don't bother to preach the gospel. They don't bother preaching the kingdom, but they preach the gospel just for the purpose of church growth. 
I don't care if I have 10 people or a thousand people. I want the kingdom. Is the kingdom of God a prior, prior, primary concern to you or is it your denomination? Or is it your job? Or is it your family? Or is it your children? Or is it video games or this or that? Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 that God will give you all your needs from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. You see, I, I got this little, this is kind of a crude example. Very crude. We're going to whip some people today. I'm just playing. Caleb, can you come here? Hold that out real quick. Now, think of this as a long rope. It's an XLR cable, probably whatever, whatever. Now, look at, think of it as your time, your timeline. This is the amount of time that we spend on earth. Maybe 60, 70, 80, 90. I'm believing for 120. Hope I'll get there. I was watching this uh, Facebook video and this lady was very old, and they're like, happy birthday, Grandma. Make a wish. And she's like, I, I hope this is my last birthday with y'all. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But this, in, in the span of eternity, the span of time, we only live here on earth this amount of time. And we focus so much on this and neglect the rest of eternity. Because what we do here affects all of this. We want to have the cushy church, the cushy uh, uh, cars. I'm not saying they're wrong. When it's 105 degrees here in San Antonio, I enjoy my air condition. I don't curse my car. Curse you. I need to suffer like Jesus did. No, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for this AC. Woo, feels great. When it breaks, I cry. Oh, man, we're, we're melting. But so many times God is saying, guys, look, this is the kingdom. The kingdom isn't this little portion here on earth, but it's everything till eternity. There is no end of time. But so many people are stuck right here, not knowing that what we do in this little time frame affects and echoes for all of eternity. Five ways. Well, actually, it's ten, but we're just going to go through five today. How do we be kingdom-minded? Number one is realize your need for God. You see, that talks about the acknowledgement of our spiritual poverty without God in your life. If you don't know that you are in a state of spiritual poverty without God in your life through His Son, Jesus Christ, you won't be concerned with the kingdom. If you think, oh man, I'm good. I don't need God. I don't need this. I'm all right. When you don't realize that you're spiritually uh, impoverished without him, you can care less about the kingdom. I guarantee you, life sucks. Hear me. Just hear me. Life is horrible without Jesus. It sucks without Jesus because you don't have the confidence of where you're going. You don't have the confidence in anything. 
I tell Pope, say, look, guys, life is hard with Jesus, but it's impossible without him. I guarantee you, my life was horror. I mean, now I've always been saved, but there's time when I kind of, you know, fallen away, PK deals. That was a typical PK. <laughs> Did my own thing for a while. And man, I look back on that air, I'm like, man, life was garbage. I, I, the things in this world I thought were, were, were fun and satisfying was totally not. And I remember when it, when it finally came down to realize the, and I'm talking, not realize, I'm talking the revelation, I'm talking the rhema of understanding how impoverished I was without him. I was like, oh man, I'm totally messed up. Like I totally, I, I so need Jesus. I can't do this by myself. That's why we have so many people, sinners today, who are living a self-delusion that they are all right. They won't even admit that they're sinners. Second Corinthians, Paul says in, in chapter 4, verse 2, 4, it says, But even if our goal, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. According to Matthew 5, 3, it says, God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. The King James Version puts it this way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, in the parable of the hidden treasure... That Jesus told his disciples about the kingdom in Matthew 13, 44. You have a man who, found a, who had a field and found that there was treasure on it. Realizing that his treasure was far greater than all his possessions, he sold all that he had so he can buy this plot of land. Hence, he, he, he sold everything. You see, the world may look and say... That's weird. Why would you do that? I, I bet you. Roger, I'll just use Roger. Roger's a great musician. I bet you if he really wanted to go in the world system, play for big bands, make lots of money, I, bet, I believe he can do it. He's an amazing, phenomenal. And I bet people are like, wow, Roger, why would you, why would you not take that, that path in life, but you're taking this path? Because Roger understands the value of the kingdom. We don't understand as believers the value of the kingdom. This man sold everything because he saw, man, that this treasure is way more, more important than all of this. Amen. You have the Mulvarians. Anyone know about the Mulvarian movement? Moravian, thank you. That's why I have them. They, they correct me, whether it's on Sunday or Saturday. <laughs> Usually I know I messed up because I'll start giggling and laughing. They're like, <laughs> the Moravians. <laughs> I try. I gave it my best. The Moravians, they had learned that the secret of loving the souls of men was found in loving the Savior of men. On October 8, 1732, a Dutch ship left the Copenhagen, Copenhagen Harbor for the Danish West, I, West Indies. On board were the two first Moravian missionaries, John Dober, a potter, and David 
Nichman, a carpenter. Both were very skilled speakers and ready to sell themselves into slavery to reach the slaves of the West Indies. As the ship slipped away, they lifted up and it was recorded them saying this as the ship. This is dedicated. This is when you understand kingdom. This is what they said. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. I'm not, I'm not signing up to be sold into slavery so that I can preach the gospel. That's just me. But these men understood that the kingdom of God, the gospel was so precious that they took what Paul said, that I count my life as nothing. They took that to heart and they said, you know what? Our lives are nothing. Hey, we're going to sell ourselves into slavery. The reason they sold their slaves, themselves into slavery, because they wanted to go preach the gospel to the slaves and they were told no. So they said, fine, then we're going to sell ourselves to you guys and you're going to take us to the slaves and we are going to preach the good news. Amen. That's when you have an understanding of the kingdom. You see, those who don't know that the man who had the field sold everything, had hidden something inside the land, and they would think he was a fool. They would, people would probably look at the Moravians, you're, 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 you're foolish. You can do whatever. Why sell yourself into slavery so you can go reach a few men? It's so that the lamb who was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. I believe that the beginning of the kingdom minded is to acknowledge one's spiritual poverty, but it doesn't end there. Number two is repent of your sins and be born again. Now, most of us have done this. It's not enough to acknowledge one's spiritual poverty and one's need for God. One needs to take it a step further and to repent of one's sins and turn their life over to Jesus, accepting him as Lord and Savior. And I believe most of us have done this in here. So I'll say it like this. We need to daily repent of our sins. There are several people in church, in churches today, just playing church. But they have never had time to repent of their sins. They know how to play the game. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, sister. But they're beating their wives. Hey, how you doing, brother? I don't know. <laughs> See, this is why I can't do nothing with them. <laughs> hey, Jesus, I love you. Praise be to God. But you're, 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 you're robbing from God with your tithes. Or you're doing something that's contrary to the will of the Father. You're being church folk, not kingdom folk. And so we all can, I believe we're all very good at that. We want to play that church game, and we, we all can play the game really well. And we're probably, I bet you all of us in here are PhDs in playing the game. We all can. Not saying that you guys are, but we all can do that. Some of these people could even be already in church leadership. They play the game. They can get up here and they can preach and they can, uh, and they can. And the Lord said uh, in Psalms 32 uh, that if you hit, it's not recording. 
Oh, good. I'm going to do it again. No, I'm just like, <laughs> sorry, it's my, it's my culture. It's my people. That's how we preach. That's how we preach sometimes. Uh, we get a little excited. Uh, and the Lord is good. Uh, but sometimes we have these people that we can play the game, we can say the right things, but our heart posture, our life, our kingdom minded, does it align with what we speak? I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying you're perfect. But we must wake up every day, Lord, forgive me. Holy Spirit, if there's stuff that is hidden that I may not even know, there's things I've been convicted of by the Holy Spirit that I didn't even know I was doing. There's things that, that the Holy Spirit has convicted me that's not necessarily like going to send you to hell or anything like that. It's like what Paul says, you know, everything's permissible and everything is, you know, beneficial. It'd be like TV shows I watch. I'll give you this one. I love Japanese culture, love anime and all that stuff. I'm very careful what I watch. So I bought this shirt. Be quiet, Tiffany. <laughs> She's already rebuked me already. <laughs> and I, I was at the store. I just needed a shirt. And I was like, ooh, cool. This is really cool. And so I bought this shirt. And I started wearing it. I was like, all right, man, this is a cool shirt. And so, you know, the next day I was done with it. I was looking at it in the, getting ready to throw it in the dirty clothes. And it had nothing like satanic or anything on it. But the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me and said, hey, does this really reflect me? Is this, it's, it, and it wasn't nothing, it wasn't anything bad, but it was like, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, I just spent money on this shirt. But if you, if, if you say that I'm grieving you, then we'll go burn it. <laughs> and so I got, I had to go get rid of it because what happened was my conscience was seared. The Holy Spirit was like, hey, look, it, it's, it's, you're not going to go to hell for this, but it doesn't edify me. It doesn't even edify you. So it, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it doesn't hurt me. It's not like I give it up and I stop breathing. I can't stop breathing oxygen. That will hurt me. That will kill me. But I can give up a little dinky shirt and the Holy Spirit says, give it up. So many times the Holy Spirit tells us to give up things and we're like, but we'll die. And the Holy Spirit's like, really? You can't live without watching <laughs> Mad Men? Really? You can't stop watching Netflix for one day? Or whatever that vice may be. And so we must be a people that we repent and, and just really start cleaning ourselves. Because we have to live. I, I really, I personally believe God wants us to look different from the world. If we're set in a lineup and you had someone had to pick, okay, they're a believer, they're a believer. If you don't differentiate yourself from the world, then what are we doing? We are called to be in the world not of the world. But so many of us do because we have this bad theology of God is love. We've twisted that. God is love and he loves everything that we have uh, um, seared our conscience. We have brought our moral values down because we say God is love. Yeah, God is love, but he's also holy. And there's a lot of stuff that he doesn't put up with that his church puts up with. We must be a people that we repent. Number three, live for God and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. 
After you've given your life to, to the Lord and you're born again, we must begin to live for God. Live in accordance with the teachings of God and in the children of the Bible and Jesus and, and the patriarch. We, we live by their examples. Or the word of God, sorry. We live by the word of God in every matter. Always place the kingdom of God as your first consideration. It's the, it, it, it should be like this. This is what hardcore kingdom living is like. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it all the time. Holy Spirit, do I need to go to Walmart? Do I need to go to this Walmart? Most people might say, just go where you want to go. Why does it matter? Because there's many times that God places divine appointments. And because we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, we're not being kingdom minded. I just want to get my groceries done and you get your stuff done. And you miss a divine appointment that God strategically placed in your life. We must be concerned about how our actions will affect the kingdom of God. Will it increase or decrease the kingdom of God? Will it bring honor or dishonor to the kingdom of God? Your consideration should be whether it will be advantageous to the kingdom. Not only personal benefit or the benefit of your denomination. Is it, going, is it advantageous for the kingdom or do I get glorified or does my church or denomination or ministry or self get glorified? Are you living for God or living for self? It makes no difference if you sleep in church, answer a high-sounding eschatological title, or you're busy with religious activities, but you're not living for God. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Are you doing God's will or are you doing your will? Number three is living for God and make the kingdom your primary concern. We must make the kingdom of God, and I'm kind of abbreviating some stuff now. We must make the kingdom of God our primary concern. When you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, we become different. We look different. We act different. We speak different. We do different things. The world might think you're crazy, but that's okay. Number four, teach the word of God. Do not substitute your own views and preference for the word of God. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the scribes for promoting the traditions of men above the laws of God. Mark 7, 7 through 8 says this, These people humor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their wor they worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. For you ignore God's specific laws and substitute your own teachings. If you're going to be kingdom-minded, you should hold the word of God as the highest esteem and teach others to follow it. But before you do that, you must do it yourself. Otherwise, you are a hypocrite. Doing must come before teaching. There's a right, there's a right order. This is why Jesus was like, I, I, I really need you to set a foundation of kingdom before we start going any further. I was like, okay. I'm not saying anybody's wicked in here, so hear my heart. That's not what I'm saying. I just want to get us all on the same page so we can go forward together. 
Acts 1.1 says, But everything Jesus began to do and teach. Do and teach God's commandment as a kingdom-minded believer. Matthew 5.19-20, it says, Whoever therefore breaks one of these, uh, of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We must teach the word of God and how to live it. We have bad theology in the church where now you have churches allowing homosexual pastors. You're, you're having uh, uh, churches that are, I mean, I, mean I, I know a lot of, I've heard some really wild stories that would shock people. You have churches who literally, I mean, I, I know churches who have swinger parties. All their staff, everybody's sleeping with one another. Why? Because, oh man, I can tell you some stuff. You'd be like, oh my God, that happens in the church? Yes! <laughs> That's why if you don't, if you're, if you're not kingdom-minded, if you're not being led by the Spirit, corruption is able to flow. If you're not preaching the Word of God... It allows the enemy to come in and, and with seducing words, it seduces the people. And we, we call what is wicked good and what is good wicked. So when I'm talking about the kingdom, it, it, it's, it, you might say, well, Josh, this sounds legalistic. This sounds hardcore. No, this is the kingdom. This is why the church is in the state that it's at. Now, I don't believe Jesus says, I'm coming for a church without spot nor wrinkle. Now, I believe the church is about to be, oh man, the church is about to jump off. We're not going to come beat up in the by and by and all that. Where he's coming for a great and marvelous church. We have other theologies in the church where we, you know, in end time eschatology, it's, well, brother, the armies are coming. The mark of the beast is coming. Oh, woe is us. The church is this. I, I'm sorry. If you tell me that doom and gloom stuff, I just put, I just, I, you'll, you'll see my eyes glaze over. Are you with me? No. Because the way I read scripture, I don't look at the by and by. I don't look at the tribulation, the end time as a defeated church. But this is a glorious time for the church. Yeah, it might get a little crazy out there, but guess what? All of heaven is backing me up. And I know that I know the end of the story. We already won. Jesus took care of that a long time ago. So I don't have a doom and gloom mentality. I understand that when darkness is abundant, light shines even greater. And I also know that when the end times come, that I get to rule and reign with Jesus as co-heirs. And we get to help the Lord execute judgment. So I don't have a doom and gloom. You want to tell me that? I'll just look at you. Oh, man. Kingdom-minded people don't think like that. Kingdom-minded people are like, yeah, here's where it gets good. Kingdom-minded people understand that we must live the Bible, not replace it. We don't, if we treat, I'll say it like this. We don't treat the Bible like a Chinese menu. I'll do this, and I'll do this. Jesus, can I substitute this for that? 
We can't treat it like a fast food menu where we pick and choose what we want. You can't chicken, uh, uh, pick and choose who we love. Jesus says love everyone. But I don't like them. They said dirty things to me and it hurt my feelings. Jesus said, I don't care, love them. Okay, I better keep going. Last one, number five. To be a... <laughs> to be a... Kingdom per, uh, person, kingdom-minded, is to be a kingdom laborer advancing the kingdom of God. This is very wide in scope. It deals with a variety of issues. To advance the kingdom of God, we must make yourself, your resources, including time, spiritual gift, natural talents, professional skills, money, material, resources, accessible, etc., available for the kingdom of God. This is the part of kingdom stewardship. More people are needed in different departments of the kingdom of God here on earth. That's why in the parable of the workers of the vineyard in Matthew 20, the landowner kept going back to the marketplace to hire more laborers to work in the vineyard because there was still much more work to be done and more hands are needed. When you're kingdom minded, you just have this. Yes, sir. What Jesus said years ago is even truer today. The laborers are still few. The only vacancy in the kingdom of God is for laborers. Unfortunately, there are men, numerous church members, but very few kingdom laborers. Well, I want a king. What's a kingdom laborer? It looks very different. I really believe that, especially in leadership, we're all called to be leaders in some capacity. You have two types of leaders. You have positional leaders, and then you have servant leaders. Servant leaders is where it's at. What does a servant leader look, at, look like? On Thursday, you're here, and you're scrubbing toilets. That's not what the pastor does. Yeah, he does. You know what? Servant leaders, they lead from the front. If you go back into the history of, I was reading this article about, um, about the Civil War and the, high, the highest uh, um, death rate. I mean, yeah, you can say disease, this and that, but a lot of it came from the officers. Why? Because they led the march. And usually they were the first to get picked off. Positional leadership likes to send everyone to the front, use them as, you know, human shields. All right, church, we're going to go on a missions trip. You guys go first. And if y'all come back, then we'll go back. If all y'all come back and y'all are dead, I'm not going there. That ain't for me. Unfortunate, there are numerous church members, but few kingdom laborers. I want to, I want to say this one more real quick because I, I really believe in, in kingdom-minded servanthood. People want to wait for a job to be given to them. My dad used to say this, use your R&I, your resourcefulness and initiative. When you come in on Sunday, don't come ask. Uh, I mean, ha hear my heart. You can always ask me. I don't have a question. I don't have a problem with that. But sometimes you just come in and you look around. What needs to be done? The banners need to be done. Let me, let me set up the chairs. Or if someone asks you, hey, 
so-and-so, do you mind uh, setting the rows up? Why do I want to set up chairs? That's a menial job. No, it's actually a very good As a good servant, somebody left their car on outside. It's a Toyota. It's dark gray. Does anybody have a dark gray Toyota with new tags? Your car's running. That's a good servant. I'm wow. All right, your car, like Bart Simpson, hey, you own a toilet, your car's running. <laughs> but a servant leader, you look at things differently. I'm going to set chairs, and every time I set a chair, I'm praying over it. Lord, whoever sits in this chair, let them have the kingdom encounter. When you're walking down the street and you see somebody limping, a servant leader isn't like, eh, I ain't got time to do this. So let me go pray for them. A servant leader is how can I serve you? Matthew, Jesus, it says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. We have a, we have a generation of young people who sit back and they want all the rah, rah, shish, kumbah, but they don't want to lead first in the sense of a servant leader. My dad, uh, when he got saved during the Jesus movement, he's like, yeah, we're so fired up. We bought a coffee shop. Or we wanted to build a coffee shop, make a coffee shop. And, and um, we wanted to just have, you know, groups come in and just preach and pray. I said, oh, that sounds really cool. He said, but here was, here was the kind of gross part. We bought an uh, old porn store that went out of business. So all of us young people, we went and cleaned up this store. I'm just going to leave it at that. Sometimes you got to get your hands dirty for the kingdom. We have groups that come out in Cassiano and you have some groups that, all right, let's get dirty. And you have other guys that are like, and I'm like, lose my number. <laughs> oh, man, I, I want a I cushy. I want this. Or, you know, we have to be people who are servant leaders. Soul winning should be the top priority to you as this is the major way of expanding the kingdom of God. Proverbs 11.30 says, He who wins souls is wise. This is also true regarding winning souls into the kingdom. Matthew 10.7 And as you go preaching, say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Of course, of course, part of the preaching of the kingdom of heaven is healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out demons. It's the full gospel. According to Jesus Christ, Luke eleven twenty, the New Living, it says, But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has, a, has arrived among you. To be kingdom-minded, you preach the kingdom of heaven. You don't be a spectator. You're not a complainer. You're not a critic. But you're a part of the kingdom labor force. Ah, oh, man, I don't like the way the church looks today. It looks dirty. I don't like the way this is set. It looks... Everybody wants to complain, but no one wants to, no one wants to give you a solution. No one wants to be part of the solution. It's the Pareto principle. It's 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Next week we have... Uh